This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The season is nearly upon us, one week to go. Welcome to the Blue Monday podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome along. We're going to say hello to Craig as well, and hopefully his technical demons have um, gone away. Uh, Hello to everybody in the chat. I'm seeing a lot of people talking about um, these pre-season games over in Europe. If you were there, do let us do let us know if you travelled um, travelled out um, for these Innsbruck Championships that we're that we're celebrating. Um, Joe, how you feeling? One week out. Yeah, good. The excitement is starting to sort of ramp up now, isn't it? Now we know the last pre-season friendly is done, and we're ready to make that move into the last week before the last game. It's just that torture of knowing that. We have to sort of see every other EFL game go before our one is the final one of the weekend, sort of just finishing this time next week. That always seems to be the way with England at the World Cup, Craig, doesn't it? You just have to wait and wait and wait for them to get going. Are you are you, are you kind of amped up now, Craig? I normally go excited, excited, excited. Oh, crap. Here it comes. <laughs> and down I come. Yeah, well, I <clears throat> luckily... I got to go to Colu and watch the Luton match. I hadn't been to any preseason games before then, so it's sort of just been happening, and you'd been catching up on it. But having <clears throat> having gone to that one, having watched both the uh, Innsbruck matches online, um, yeah, it's it's now whetted the appetite, shall we say? You know, finding finding yourself yesing at the telly in a preseason friendly when um, <laughs> when we score a goal, you know, just it's the juices have started to get flowing again now. Um, lots of great input in the chat. Do get involved. Make sure you hit the like button if you're watching live right now on YouTube. If you're listening after the fact, do come and join us. Throughout the season, we will be live each and every Sunday at 8 p.m. Um, I do want to get to a lot of the points that are coming up on this, but we will just go straight back to Craig because we've got three preseason friendlies to talk about. Craig, can you take us to um, the Luton friendly, what your takeaways were, um, what the sort of important things were out of that evening's work, and then we'll get Joe's uh, reaction to what you've got to say. Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, it was 
the sheer number of town fans that were there. We had three sides of the uh, of the ground, and even the <clears throat> the end that the Luton fans has was was pretty sparsely populated. But I, so, I suppose that's due to the fact that we haven't got a, a home uh, preseason friendly. But yeah, it was it was good atmosphere. It was good noise. Um, I say there were plenty of people there. Um, saw a good few of the telegrammers from a from a distance. Um, Mark Ashton was there holding court. I saw. Um, Oh God! I'd say Glenn Wheeler um, sitting in the in the one of the directors' boxes, just watching the uh, the match um, go on. Um, and it was good. It was a good first half performance. It was a very um, considered, um, classy first half performance against uh, what will be a Premier League team. You know, it looked like it would carry on from the end of last season, as you would as you would expect to, and as you would hope us to do so. And um, yeah, so everyone just looked like they were used to playing with each other. There weren't really that many gaps or uh, misunderstandings going on, certainly in the first half. Um, and as ten- things tend to happen, once the second half starts and the, some of the, the backup guys come in and substitutes are being made both for us and for loot, and then it, things get a bit bitty and you know, things tailed off, understandably, towards the uh, towards the end of the end of the second half. Um, but, yeah, an impressive, um, an impressive first half, uh, first 60 minutes of football, really. You know, everything... Probably the only downside was um, Broadhead limping off um, and sitting on the on the bench with a, an ice pack on his thigh. Um, but you know, Harness played centre midfield with Morsey. Um Taylor looked a little bit, um, maybe of of all the, well, of all the of, of the new um, players, he looked understandably one that's probably just getting used to his surroundings. Um, looked a little bit off of it from maybe from a technical perspective, but he's a He's a good size. You know, he's a decent size. You can see why we um, why we went to get him from a physicality perspective. Um, but yeah, I think you know it was it was a a performance which would have um, warmed the cockles of all the Ipswich fans that were there. You know that it was what we were used to see Taylor the last for the last three or four months of last season. It was a carry on from that. Joe. Yeah, sort of echo what Craig said there, really. And it's it was funny because we had the Preston friendly the week before where we played really well. And I think that was sort of one everyone was thinking, wow, how good do we look? And then it went into the <laughs> Cambridge Stevenage friendlies where we sort of lost both the games. And from sort of people we spoke to at both games, sounded like both the games were really lethargic performances. And that's the sort of thing that does happen in pre-season every now and again. And then you sort of, I know you, you can't pay too much attention to pre-season, but you wanted to bounce back with a performance maybe if not the result you you want the performance and and, that, and that's what happened there against Luton and we just carried on from where we were and you'd expect that when you see the lack of turnover in the squad that we've got going into going into this season and when you look at the way we finished last season the sort of 15 last 15 games or so when we were sort of by a lot of pundits who watch a lot of EFL football, probably the best side League One has ever seen in that period there where we just rolled everyone. Mike Duff said that, so it wasn't even pundits. No, where we just rolled everyone over. And it's like, well, that it's like, where does that sit you in the championship? And I, th- I think it's going to sit quite high from there. And then it's just a case of just trying to add a couple of bits more. And obviously when teams get promoted, they tend to lose a couple of lone players, but we haven't we haven't had that. We've we've managed to keep hold of the players we want to keep hold of. And yeah, no, it's all it's all looking positive. And there, there has been some slight adjustments to I think what we do. I think it is very, very much more a back three now, isn't it? As opposed to a back four which had been come for a while. One thing I was looking forward to seeing actually, um that's just reminding me, Joe, is Leaf Davis playing this like inverted 
um, in advance of the centre midfielder's um, sort of number 10 in effect, and uh, yet another number 10. But he was just wide, very, very wide, chalk on his boots for the whole match. Basically, him and Danassian were on the touch lines. You know, there was no no coming inside on, uh, against Luton in any case. It will be revealed, and I'm sure the 8 million Sky Sports cameras at 5.30pm, um, or just 5pm, on on the Sunday, as you pointed out, we're going to have to wait, are going to be all over our um, prospective formation there. Joe, can you lead off, um, well, first of all, with your sort of feelings about this type of little mini tournament out in Europe, you know, what, what you sort of get from doing that that you wouldn't get from... I don't know, going to Preston or playing Luton at Colchester or whatever. And then, um, well, we we won. Um, and again, we won't get um, carried away with pre-season results. But um, yeah, your sort of thoughts on the on the whole thing. Yeah, well, it's the it's the third time in this pre-season when we've had sort of two games on the same day, isn't it? Originally out in Austria, the Cambridge Stevenage one in the middle and this one at the end. And when you listen to McKenna after the game and his town tv interview he just said look all, all the players are ready all the players have got minutes in the under their belt and it's very much just about we, all our patterns all our team shape everything of that is done in training that we, we're not relying too much on the matches to get that stuff in there the matches are there to get people sharp and to get people get minutes in people's belt and no i, I really like the way we're doing it with the the two separate games so everyone is getting a full game as opposed to just having one big friendly on the last Saturday and you start an 11 get a run out and your subs come on and the game just dissipates to nothing over the last sort of 20 minutes of it but and when you look at the quality of opposition the caliber of players you're going up against especially in that Red Bull Leipzig team that we played there you look at that and you sort of looked at the team sheet. Well, bloody hell! This is Wait, just just a caveat. This is a side, Joe, when, when does their season start? I think they start two weeks after us, but I don't know if they've got okay. any European qualifiers coming in at that point or any anything along those lines. But yeah, we're we're obviously ahead of them, but we're, they're a Champions League side that have won the German Cup the last two seasons, and it's a build them up, Joe. It's a, yeah, it's a big side, and and you go there and you sort of look at that, and you, I don't think I don't think anyone thought we'd win, and I don't think anyone thinks oh well because we've won there it means this it's but it's still very very good to go out there and win isn't it i think if you'd have said we're going to go out there play two games concede one goal and that be from a goalkeeping error from a player who's not really likely to play a minute this season then it's then it's all good and the goal sort of comes from where you want it to leaf davis assist george hurst header these things are all good and there's obviously some positives in there. i think elkin baggett's performance in the first yeah, game I, was a real positive you in? we will do q a later joe but um charlie delta is just asking the chat he's about the fifth person who's asked about elkin baggett so let's just focus now on can we just hear from both of you about baggett and um i know we're going to get into mark ashton's comments about two or three more players coming and that's obviously by September not by next Sunday we've got to remember that the transfer window closes weeks after the season starts I had him nailed on as going out on loan I think two or three players coming in would still make me think um in that in that sort of vein is where we're looking but he's done himself no harm has he Joe first of all finding a loan club he's put himself in a shop window for that move because you listen to McKenna at the end of the game it's like has this changed any of your plans for players and he's just no we know the player's strengths we know the player's weaknesses he's very clear-headed I think he knows what level he 
or what level he believes Elkin Baggett is for this season. And with his comments about him earlier in pre-season, it was very much he's one to be going out on loan. And I don't think that an excellent performance against RB Leipzig is going to change that at all. But it is tempting, isn't it, when you see him there and you... Especially when they're so young him, as well. Yeah. Well, him and Burgess, when you see the size, and they, they just look a very similar size, and he's dropping into that sort of left back slot, and he's just got a lovely body shape and sort of t- receiving the ball and sort of turning those balls down the line. And I, I just think that, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't worry. Start, I wouldn't worry him being Cameron Burgess's backup and play play a few games here and there. But I, I just don't think it's going to be the case. I, I, I'd be. I'd be amazed if he doesn't go out on loan. And I think if he, if he doesn't go out on loan, it's because we failed to get in a target and and probably failed to get in a target A, B and C if we're down at Elgin Baggett's for him. And it's just a case of where mm. where we can get him out. Yeah, what's your take on that, Craig? Because um, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade, but Wade Elliott didn't fancy him at Cheltenham, who I wouldn't say they were scrapping to survive. They were... Well, they were well clear in the end, weren't they, Cheltenham? But yeah. it, it, so surely, maybe a, a middle in, a, a, maybe a top ten League One side, or am I over overdoing that a bit? Yeah, yeah, you'd hope so. But as you know, as sort of Joe said, in terms of tempering expectations, we've seen him play well in a sixty-minute game. Um, I don't think he did particularly well in the Stevenage uh, Stevenage match. I think it looked like they. Um, focused on him a little bit when he was in possession of the ball, for example. And as you say, Ben, he didn't pull up any trees whatsoever when he went to Cheltenham, having us having sort of brought him back from Gillingham in the hope to get him a good half a season of League One football. He wasn't entrusted, uh, injuries aside potentially, but wasn't entrusted uh, many minutes for, for a Cheltenham team. So I just as Joe says I about... I think coming back... Sorry, just coming... I think he came back from Gillingham because Neil Harris was there and the owners came in and just and they were splashing some cash. So I think it was the case that he wasn't going to be getting many games at Gillingham in the second half of the season. He's good for Gillingham though, wasn't he? So, but I just don't think it was a case mm. of we're pulling him back to push him up. I think he was pushed back as well as pulled back and then it was a case of finding him something else. Sorry to... Yeah, go on, Craig. No, that's quite right. No, I was going to say, and also, <clears throat> excuse me, as Joe was saying about... Um, <clears throat> pre-season's being used for um, minutes in people's legs because they're doing all of the work on the training ground, which is which is an interesting point because, for example, our centre midfield, Luongo, hasn't been available, but very rarely we played what we'd say would be our first choice centre midfield. It's always very much been throughout all the pre-season. It's been like a senior player and their respective backup for the other for the other partner, if you see what I mean. It's never been our first 11 playing altogether or majority of our first 11. So again, you know, you, you'll entrust these guys who are seeing Baggett play. They know they've mapped out his career for him over certainly over the next year or two. Uh, but you understand, you can see why the fans would be, you know, up and, and positive about it because they've probably only seen him play for, majority have only seen him play for that hour. And he did really, really well against a very, very good team, as, as Joe says. But I think, you know, having gone through what we've just spoken about, you'd hi- hopefully see him go on a League One loan next year, get another 40, 46 games. Absolutely. Um, and what was your take just on the um, two European Craigs? And if you if you wouldn't mind touching on, just because it interested me, McKenna's comments after the Preston game about predetermined substitutions and sticking to them and pre-season being literally mapped out um, mapped out to the minute. Are you, are you a fan of that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, well, I think we have to we have to trust the the guys who are in charge of the fitness bits. As I say, as McKenna said from 
all preseason, it's there to serve a purpose, and that purpose is to get minutes into people's legs, get people up to speed. We're doing our work on the training ground. Now you'll see bits and pieces of it on the on in the matches, but it, they are literally there for a. As Mick McCarthy used to say, didn't he? It wasn't a fan of preseason because people read too much into into results and into performances. It's simply there to to get people fit. Hundred um, percent. We will go on and have a little look at the squad um, in just a second. So we're going to talk squad depth. So if you're in the chat right now, get your thoughts on that. But we are very pleased for another season. I hope you'll indulge us. Always helpful for the pod to be partnered up with our friends at Innovation Labs, and we're really happy again to have them as the flagship show sponsor for another season. And we would love to hear this quick message from them right now. Innovation Labs is business hub and co-working space with strategic locations across Suffolk. Our aim is to foster innovation, entrepreneurship, business growth, and the development of an AI center of excellence in Suffolk. Monthly hot desks are available from just £79. For more info, head to innovationlabsgroup.com or contact info at innovationlabsgroup.com. Innovation Labs, providing support for businesses across Suffolk. Locations in Stowmarket, Ipswich, Sudbury, Woodbridge, with more to follow. Big thanks to Innovation Labs for coming on board once again. And big thanks to Mikey, who's probably the only person who could read the word entrepreneur without falling over it in our podcast team. Um, guys, get involved in the chat. We're going to talk squad depth now. Now, Joe, I believe you have come up with this. So if you're watching on YouTube, we're just going to throw up a squad depth chart here that I think Joe is that right you did you did that Joe and he's muted you're Rich, muted Joe so Rich, Rich made it look pretty but I am um, but it's names, come out of your places yeah there you go so um we have basically um a sort of 421 431 excuse me um formation up there with the squad depth uh so Walton Hladke and Schlicker as the goalkeepers Left centre-back, Burgess, Edmondson, Baggett. Right centre-back, Wolf and Dan Edmondson, Bull. The first of many appearances for him. Uh, right back, Clark, Danassian, Bull. Uh, left back, Davis and <laughs> Lee. Let's leave it at that and talk to me about depth, Joe, in terms of the sort of goalkeeper and back four positions? Well, I think goalkeeper, we're, we're fine. We, we can see that we're fine in that role. Walton and Hladke, two good keepers. Walton's an excellent keeper. Hladke's an excellent backup. And then it's just, obviously, everyone knows centre-back is an issue. We've got Burgess and Wolferden, who have been good throughout pre-season, were excellent last season. But behind that, there isn't really a lot, is there? George Edmondson was a player who looked a class sign, probably one of our better players under Paul Cook and under that initial bit of McKenna when he came in but in reality since he picked up that injury that really bad looking injury I think against was against Lincoln at home was it in sort of February March 2021 he just hasn't he just hasn't looked the same player he's either been unfit injured coming back and when he has been played he just hasn't played very well I, that's, I, I can't remember him putting some good games together and that's even through pre-season this time he's, he's obviously missed a lot of time and then when he has played big example like the penalty he gave away against um Luton at uh, Colchester's ground last week and it's just I don't know that's a that's a big worry there it's just if anything happens to Wolfenden or Burgess there's really very very little behind them there 
obviously right back again, Harry Clark, but he is got this Achilles injury. I think he's been to see a specialist, hasn't played in the last few weeks. That could, that could be a few weeks out, let alone. And then you're into the season there, and it's and whilst Danashian is backing him up as a right back role, that role that Clark plays when he plays, it's such a different role, isn't it? He plays much more attacking. He can drift inside. He can play centrally, and Danashian just doesn't have that in the, doesn't have that in him. He's he's a very good one on one, very good defender, but he he doesn't have any of that attacking impetus that Harry Clark has. And then you see Don Ball has played there a few times, and he's done okay in certain games, but then against Leipzig on Friday, he really struggled down that side with their down their left hand side. They really targeted him down on on that side there, and then left back again is is fine with Davis and Lee there. And I think also you've got Cameron Humphreys who could probably fill in and maybe do a bit more of what Leif Davis does there if you want the attacking threat there. So defense does feel the area of the team where it's with Harry Clark potentially injured, George Edmondson out of form. It does feel like you're in you're in a bit of trouble there if any if anything were to happen. Let's move you on to the front end of the pitch, uh, Craig, where the boys have got the sort of two central midfield positions, uh, right central midfield, Morsi, Ball and Evans, left central midfield, Luongo, interesting, ahead of Taylor and Humphreys, uh, with then your row of three potentially. Look, I know it's probably devil in the detail of how this actually look on the pitch, but let's not get pedantic about that. Uh, Broadhead and Edwards... Left, uh, front left, Burns, Hutchinson and Jackson, front right, uh, Chaplin, Harness and Aluko in the sort of 10 spot, Hurst, Ladapo, Jackson in the number nine spot. Craig, what are your thoughts on the front end of the pitch? Yeah, well, I think ideally um, we'd be having uh, a luongo Morsey centre midfield partnership for the first match of the season, but it doesn't look likely, does it? Um, and I'm intrigued to know what what route will go down in terms of pairing up um, with Morsey because Lee Evans hasn't, well, Lee Evans has looked like Lee Evans, to be honest, in, in pre-season. He hasn't done anything, anything wrong, but then he's played like Lee Evans does when he's in our team. You know, he just slows things down a little bit, probably doesn't look particularly mobile compared to um, the guys that come in um, and usurped him towards the second half of the season when when he was injured. Um, going further forward, you've got a, now an in potential injury to Broadhead. We don't know how serious that is. Um, so, you know, you've gone from having a very, very strong and very much um, an 11, which didn't really have to um, be changed around too much in the second half of last season. You know, everyone was fit for the vast majority of the second half of that season. And now potentially you're going into the first game of the season without Clark. Um, and as Joe says, you know, Danassian, for all his merits on a defensive side of things, he he just simply does not play the same way. And sitting behind the bench at, um, at the Luton match, there was a couple of times that um, there was some exasperation showed, shall we say, when there was a ball down the line to be played and Danassian would, cut back and play it back towards um, Wolfenden or his, or his centre-half, for example. Um, and again, you know, you've got, I say, the broadhead situation, which you know may not be s- such an issue if you've got people at Edwards playing well. But, you know, we just saw how what a quality player broadhead was. So, you know, you're sort of, if you're potentially missing broadhead, Luongo and Clark from your ideal first 11, then that's 
33, 25% of your, um, of <laughs> outfielders. What, yeah, yeah, what was, you know, a, a well-oiled machine towards the end of last year. So I say it's, I think the front end will be as it was yes, last year. Hurst will do the first 60, 65 and, and Freddie will come on for the, for the last uh, half hour or so of each match. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the, the Burns Hutchinson, um, dual, um, carries out throughout the season. You know, Hutchinson looked very lively again in the in the Luton match, but obviously. Right, can I push little... back on that real quick? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you've already um, and Joe have a think about this. You've already um, suggested that there might be a place or two up for grabs at Sunderland. Can you fit Burns and Hutchinson in the same team? Um, I don't suspect so. Because say Hutchinson looked very good, looked very very lively um, in the Luton match, but. He, on occasions, he looked like an 18-year-old who hadn't played a lot of senior uh, men's football in terms of decision-making um, and, you know, passes he was trying or just releasing the ball at certain points. But, you know, y- you can see that he will hopefully play a very important part to us this season. You know, once we get to a point, I think some of the Telegram guys were saying that if you if you get to a point in the season whereby you're bringing on Kyle Edwards and, and Hutchinson for the last 20, 25 minutes of matches they're just going to be running at people left, right and centre, you know, once they start getting... And they had a bit of an understanding, but once he gets more involved, um, I can't imagine they'll entrust Hutchison to be playing away at the Stadium of Light on the first game of the season. It could well be a, a more solid like, harness-type um, match and selection, I would have thought. Thoughts on that, Joe? Yeah, I'd, pro- I'd probably agree with Craig on it, Re Hutchinson, that he's a young player. This is a very sort of sophisticated role we play, and he's got a long way to go to get in a starting position in a sort of a men's team. And it's fortunate now with the five subs that he will be able to get game time every game. It's not like you've only got three subs and you need to shut a game down. He, he, I'm sure he will be used in every game he's on the bench for. And then when you do that, you're, you're bringing his minutes up quickly. And then he has that chance to overtake sort of Wes Burns or come in if Nathan Broadhead is struggling with injury or even playing the sort of 10 role behind the striker and be part of the f- sort of fluid sort of fluid formation we have up there but yeah as things stand at the moment I think you're going to be looking at sort of Dinashian coming in for Clark at right back probably I don't I'd, I'd think I might have actually put Taylor as a starter ahead of Luongo but that does seem like a toss up on that one and then up in, the, in those roles if Broadhead is out you, you're going to go with Marcus Harness who's had an excellent pre-season aren't you? Joe, I think we need to get used to as fans, and Craig has mentioned it, that we got to that idyllic situation post-Valentine's um, Day, didn't we, where the, if the team was fit, played the same team every single game. There weren't too many of the three-game weeks towards the end of the season. It's going to be so different this season with utilising way more than just a, a base of 11 players to start every game. And I think... I think, as you mentioned as well, I think we both mentioned it, I think a little bit more diversity in those three positions off the front, i.e. people being able to cover more than one position there, do you think that might be something that is going to, not, not that we're going to see, but it's gonna, we're going to have to have to see um, up at championship level, Joe? I, I don't know, to be honest, because McKenna did tinker a lot through the first sort of year of his role, but then it seemed like these players are just better than the players that come in for them and they've got a better understanding. So I wonder whether we are going to almost try and roll with the same 11 where we can do, because whilst the championship is a sort of relentless beast, it does have the 
the international break. So you do get the sort of two week stoppages every now and again. The problem we have is that Wes Burns and Nathan Broadhead, the players, two of the players you probably want to wrap up in cotton wool, will be ones that head off and they don't get the two week break. So there may be some rotation on that side. But I guess the thing that might point to it is the fact that Shawnee Aluko has been given another year's contract. Is it going to be that there are going to be certain games where you want to play him with a couple of flyers in those roles so that he can try and get on the ball deeper on the pitch and play balls like the one he did to Caden Jackson at Burnley away in the FA Cup replay and the Jacksons, the Hutchinsons, the Edwards, the guys who are just sort of sheer out-and-out pace that he can try and find them with the ball. But I, I, I personally wouldn't be surprised if we do just try and roll with an eleven main starters and the subs are the subs. Like I say, last year, Caden... Caden Jackson, Kyle Edwards, these guys played like 30 games and started free. There, there were some <laughs> incredible stats, really. They were subs and that was that was their role and they came on as subs. I think Joe makes a good point, um, Craig. I'm normally used to in championship land, if we get one of these streaks of five, six, seven games where a team um, starts the, the, the same 11 every week, we're talking February, March, aren't we, before that's likely to be happening. But, I mean, Joe's right that the run-in from last season, in the Championship, I always say, if your manager ends one season, does pre-season and um, starts the next season, you've got continuity than probably at least 60% of the other clubs. And if he lasts till October, probably 80% of the other clubs. I'm exaggerating for effect, of course. But maybe there is a chance that you try and bank on the pattern of play and the consistency in the first 10 games that mm. let's be honest and it, we'll talk about transfers in a minute no one's settling down until September and maybe us and Plymouth had the best chance of anyone of that yeah no it's absolutely it's a very very good point about the the continuity and carrying on as and especially Plymouth having similar to us having re-signed the guys that they had on loan last year who already know exactly how they play they haven't got to get up to speed um I think what you you popped a, a message up there from Jack about still needing certain um, people in certain positions. Um, I don't. I'm not entirely sure about the the left back. I think we're covered there, as Joe said from um, a Davies Lee and potentially Humphrey's perspective. But I think maybe the others is is exactly right in terms of a, a centre back. We we've spoken about previously, but then the centre forwards are an interesting one, isn't it? In terms of whether I don't think you'd persuade anyone to come along and be a third choice centre forward. Um, so are you therefore bringing one in to let Ladapo go or are you trying to find a, a Torres John Jules replacement, if you like, who can do who can do the nine if needs be, if, you, if one of your front two have, have got an injury, but he can also play, as you were saying, Ben, about having that versatility in the three behind. He can also play one of those um, three, but Ollie Watkins. Not saying we'll get him, but that type well, of player, yeah, 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 absolutely. And it may well end up being um, Torres John Jules, but probably not until the end of the season and, and end of pre end of the transfer window until we maybe exhaust a few other options. Well, let's talk about transfers then, Joe. And as much as we'd all love to sit here on our ivory tower and talk about business being done nice and early and you know mm-hmm. getting things ticked off would you be at all surprised if we're because everything just gets pushed back doesn't it with you know people grandstanding and people trying to get the best deal etc cetera, etc cetera. you wouldn't be surprised well 
ask it as a question rather than give you my opinion in the form of a question. But would you be surprised if this went all the way down to the, the final week of August? I, I think we'll still be pushing to try and get one in before the season starts next week. Now the Premier League teams are back from their pre-season tours and some players can be freed up from there. I think there's sort of two windows now. There's almost this window now. Now the Premier League teams are back and they've had a look at their players. They now know who they want to go out, who they want to keep, what levels they want to send players to. And then it just sort of slides all the way back through until that very end of the window. Now the last few days when it's about the dominoes falling, the big deals getting done, everything coming down the line. So yeah, I, I, I just don't see much happening in that. Once the season starts, I don't see a huge amount happening between then and the end of August. I think it's just going to be sort of not now or never now or in a few weeks, if that makes sense. Yeah. Any, anything to add to that, Craig, especially in terms of um, your thoughts on, the the type of signing because you'd imagine the later deals are going to be either somebody on loan, somebody you've been looking at but you've had to maybe wait for that they haven't been able to be particularly um, aggressive about, or just just something left field. And um, we, we would all like to think we're not doing the left field, although maybe last summer there were there were a couple, weren't there? Mm, yeah, I can say all well, the gas ant had me. Um, <laughs> poor old gas ant. Yeah, poor old fella. Um, no, I, th- I think I think Joe's. You know, without wishing to <laughs> smoke up each other's backsides, I mean, without wishing to agree with uh, Joe, I think it's exactly right. And I think it was you were saying Ben on potential on one of you um, on your own um, channel saying that those elite Premier League loans will be the in the very 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 last knockings of of the transfer yeah. window, won't they? Yeah, you're talking about the, the the ones that basically the ones that Middlesbrough got. Last year, the yeah, Archer and Ramsey, and although to be fair, Leicester have got um, Doyle from Man City, who was at um, was at Coventry for the back end of actually yeah. all of all last season, season, yeah, and Sunderland the season before, wasn't he? Yeah, really, yeah. really good. There's a left centre back for you who would have slotted in very nicely, but there, there we go. He's gone a little bit further up the up the ladder. There's there's those two lads that are at Sheffield United as well. You just never know when a very young player comes down to the championship and gets promoted, does that automatically mean that they're going to be loaned to a Premier League club next year or do they develop um, for one more year? But I dare say the um, five parachute teams might be ahead of, well, we know they'll be ahead of everybody else in the capacity to pay salaries for those types of players. Um, Right, we'll come to questions in just a little bit. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. 
To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash blue monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Um, I just want to get your guys' kind of feel about the championship because we've all kind of said um, sort of semi, semi-anecdotally without necessarily thinking about it, that it does look like a, a tough league um, this particular season. And if I throw up the table, that is clearly not the table, but the table will appear now if I do that. We've mentioned the... Um, I don't want to retread overall ground from the 1 to 24 kind of features last week. But five parachute teams, three scary-looking Premier League teams. You've got the likes of Coventry and Sunderland and Middlesbrough lost in the playoffs, so you can argue an upward trend or a trajectory to stay the same. You've got people like Birmingham who've got real feel-good. They've just been um, taken over. doesn't seem to be one specific basket case, but they came up with us and uh, maybe maybe what for them, West, West Brom in that regard. But what are your um, sort of general um, thoughts going in one week out on the on the kind of sort of the, the shape of the league, Joe, and the, the kind of hierarchy of it? I, th- I think that the Premier League clubs that have come down have all sort of done okay with who they've appointed as managers, haven't they? They have none of them have done a mad choice, have they? Like uh, sometimes, like Watford come down and they just go for some someone who's Rob never Edwards. managed, never managed in England, or, or like say like Rob Edwards, where they promote him from two leagues below and things like that. Where you you sort of think, well, yeah, Russell Martin, he's been a Championship manager before. Daniel Farks won the Championship twice, and Enzo Maresca is the apparently the next the next big thing off. He's the he's the least chill thing, isn't he, Joe? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Well, I think. Russell Martin's a sure thing for lots of possession and then not winning ma- matches when it matters. But, <laughs> well, but Well, he's got the best players and all the money now, so we'll see how good he is, won't we? Yeah, but I, I don't know. I, I don't think there's anything for us to fear there. I think we've got I think we've got enough in our squad to compete at the top end of the league and, I, and I'm expecting us to do so. I just think the problem is when you're, when you're a team with our budget, which is big when we're comparing it to League One teams, when you come into the championships, it's a small budget. You, you don't have the... You haven't got the margin for error, have you? You, you? If you lose two of your big players through injury, then that's your season done, pretty much. That you, you can't you can't recover from these things because the way the FFP rules are set up, you, you can't have high quality backups in every position. We can't say, oh, okay, well, Leif Davis is if he gets injured, he's so important to us, so we're going to bring in someone on loan from Liverpool who are going to who's going to sit there and be our backup left back. You you just can't afford to do that, so you just have to take your chances and and, and hope. You, your key players stay fit and if our I say if, if our 11 that finish the season stay fit through this season if most of them do and we can top that out with another couple of signings I, I see no reason why we won't be right up there come the end of the season 
What's your what's your take on the um you know the the kind of battleground, Craig? Well, it's quite interesting when we were doing our um predictions or you know we've set up a prediction um competition in the in the telegram group and i was entering mine a couple of days ago and we've all you can all see each other's example and um mark had done his and he'd split his up into th- into three he'd split he'd split the league up into thirds top top eight middle eight bottom eight i thought ah i'll do that that's a very good idea mark i shall copy that then you have 14 got, teams in your top eight yeah <laughs> i had 40 teams in my middle eight. Oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> I think I did five of the top. Oh yeah, they'll be top five. Those five are definitely going to be in the bottom five. Oh sugar lumps! I've got the clump in the middle, and you know I'm hoping that we'd be the top of that clump, should you say? But you know we can all name the teams that we expect to be in and around the middle, and you know they could finish fifth or sixth. They could finish fifteenth or sixteenth. You know, as Joe says, with a fair wind in terms of injuries, if we've got a little bit of momentum behind us, you know. I'm not. I'm not predicting we're going to be anywhere in in the top four, but I say with a fair wind, maybe playoffs. But I'd I'd say hopefully a, a top half, top ten finish, just to get our feet under the table and and see where that takes us. But you know, as you, as you rightly say, Ben, you know, if you if you look at it from a club size and financial perspective, there are now at least five clubs who are in, in better position than we are from a financial perspective, and just by virtue of having larger and better squads than we've got. Um, well, Craig, got- I assume you're referring to the parachute teams. You'd almost add Coventry, who, through trading, yeah, basically got their own parachute. had a year yeah. two parachute payment, don't they? Yeah. Um, and Middlesbrough just scored loads of goals Strong. and beat loads of teams. Although they've lost a load of um, a load of lone players. But, but, but um, when you look at Coventry, well. though, I was listening to sort of Mark Robbins two weeks ago and he said, oh, we need we need 10 new signings to get the squad yeah. where I want it to be. And they've signed two players since then. So does he still think they need eight players? Because the season starts I, I on Saturday. He, I think he does, and, yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. this is where where we could have an advantage that over that first 10, 12 games of the season. If we if we could rack up 20 mm. points in that period, like a, a real sort of, a real good start to the season, the first 10 games of the season, win, win, six, win six or seven games out of that, then we're going to be in such a strong position because you look around the teams and even the teams that have done well, like like your Middlesbroughs, they're down. They're a long way back from where they finished last season because they haven't got Ramsey, they haven't got Archer, yeah. they haven't got Ryan Giles, Giles who's just yeah. signed for Luton, hasn't he? And Stefan. Stefan the keeper, yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of teams that, are, that sort of need to do a bit of rebuilding and I sort of, I'm in a sort of couple of championship chats and groups and Every, when you sort of talk to people, it's like, are, are you ready for the season? It's only really like Bristol City and who they think went early. That, Stoke who have think, signed about seven players in the last week as well, haven't they? Yeah, who, who think that they're actually sort of ready to go. And I just think, well, actually, this is this is where we should be able to gain some advantage early on in the season. And once you get that momentum, I think you're in a good place. And I don't know, I I, I don't think there's as much to fear in the championship this season as as there as there could be as a often is but it's just the same as any season if the, if the parachute clubs get it right you can't keep up with them no. and you just have to hope that you just have to hope that it's a season like last year where you have a Watford and Norwich and they're just absolute dross and you just have to hope a couple of teams like Russell Martin comes into Southampton and they they can't win games Take and then three sudden, to get going yeah they, they panic and then they sack him and fart goes in at not at Leeds and he has a season like the first one at Norwich where they finished nowhere in the table and Maresca isn't the next big thing you, you have to hope a couple of these things happen for you because if they don't, there's no chance. There's no chance of fighting for that top of the table. If if Leeds, Leicester, Southampton, Watford, and Norwich get it right this season, oh, it'd be like League One you last can't, season. You can't compete, but where you have like 
five teams all over 80 points and three of them nearly at 100, right? But, but the reason these teams have been relegated is because they're not in a good place. They're not, they're not set up well on or off the pitch. And and it's not just... Because you, you look at the bookies odds and it's always like the, the top three of the three that have come down. And it's hard to argue against it. You look at the Leicester squad and think, wow, what a squad they've got. But that's a squad that got relegated last year because they weren't very good. And they've also lost some of their better players from that as well. So it's... It's not like all of a sudden. I would team... counter that, Joe, by saying that's also a squad that finished fifth twice in a row. In the yeah, last they, they, four they years might in the they might not be the best example, but Leeds were a side that were carried by Marcello Bielsa's brilliant tactics, and then they just managed to scrape up the season before, and then couldn't defend the following season after. So I don't see that they're like a big Premier League quality squad that's just going to be like that. Turn it on, and these teams get relegated for reason, and you don't. And not many teams lose every week and then start winning every week. There's, there has, there's normally a transition between the two. No, and there's I, an expectation, and there's an expectation from those clubs' fans, isn't there, that they will be at the top end of that table. And if they do get off to a slightly dodgy start, then you know you wouldn't want to be in Ellen Road or, as I say, Filbert Street. Um, Filbert Street, Ellen Walker, Walker's Bowl. Yeah, quite. Um, the King Power Stadium. I'll have you know, and I will be there. Next Sunday to see Leicester versus Coventry, but you're all going to be focused on Ipswich versus or Sunderland versus Ipswich, which we will be covered immediately after the game. I think I'll probably do both. Carry on, Craig. Out of the 24 teams in the championship, though, 14 of them will sack their manager at some point this season. So (laughs) it'll be close to four. If it's 14, that will be. I think I counted it. It's weird in the championship because, like last year, you got things like Paul Warren left, but he didn't get sacked there were there were a few that kind of went out and there were also the teams that like Wigan went through three QPR <laughs> went through three and Blackpool went through three so they there might, were a lot QPR might repeat that again to be fair uh, maybe so yeah, they lost five nil to Oxford but we're not paying not paying attention to um friendly uh, results are we but um Craig sorry we we interrupted you your, your your final say on the kind of lay of the land there then yeah, no, I say exactly that. As, as, as Joe was saying, we don't, we don't know. We, we, we will need a lot of things to go in our favour for us to to reach the the top top end of the league. And as you've said um, on here and elsewhere, Ben, historically, teams that come up from League One don't tend to end up in the top half of the Championship in their first. Yeah, so um, the stat rate was what Sunderland were the only one of the last thirty to be in the top ten last season. Yeah. The playoffs, yeah, yeah. Um, so you just hope, you just hope from from our own supporters' perspective, you know, and I, and to be fair, when I've seen people do their predictions, there's a there's as many in 10, 11th, 12th position as there are third, fourth, fifth position. You know? So you just hope that everyone goes in a little bit with their eyes wide open. That yes, we have been blowing away teams in in the division below, and you know we hope that that will take us on a certain amount of momentum um, into this year. But you know there there are some some big old clubs that we'll be coming up against. And the weird, the weird thing about this is, even if you just take 2014-15 through to getting relegated in 18-19, we've actually got experience of being the rank worst team in the league and everyone beating us every week, being kind of in the middle. Uh, for a season or two, we were sort of just lurking in the third quartile, not being anything in particular. And of course, we finished in the playoffs um, in a very difficult season as well. So we have kind of seen it all, even in just those last four or five years there. Right, guys, I know there's been loads of questions come in during the show. Help me out, actually. We'll use Rob as a really good example here. Look at that. Look at that, boys. He's put a Q before his question and a question <laughs> mark at the end. Sorry. 
we're not, we're not being the um, grammar police here, but that just helps me pick them all out. So uh, we'll go to questions now. Guys, if you have put one earlier up in the feed and you don't mind just copying and pasting it, that will help me out and I can just work downwards rather than scrolling up. Um, so get your questions in and we'll go, um, we'll put it over to you guys in terms of what you want us to talk about for the last quarter of this. Um, Craig, can I just lead off on Luke McNally, mm, who was in, uh, Rob is asking about that, uh, who's very good, actually. So he went from Oxford to Burnley last year. And this is what Burnley fans maybe slightly failed to understand about the financial advantage that a relegated team does have, regardless of how many players they sell and how much they bring in. Not many teams in the championship are able to sign a player for a couple of million quid and just loan them out and see how they develop across the year and watch them get all the way to the playoff finals, in fact, with Coventry. Luke McNally is very good, um, Craig, and um, he's been linked. I think that'd be excellent. What say you? He's, is he the guy that scored in the last knockings of the away game a couple of years ago? Yeah, Joe. Um, yeah, as you is said, that him? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, I've gone off him. Scored the header. Um, <laughs> but he, he's, he's not left-footed, is he? He's right-footed, uh, led to believe, so... Um, I don't, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to bow to your better judgment if say he's, he's that good a player and therefore he could potentially play on the left even being a, a right footer. But as we know, you know, the the left-footed centre-half, um, a bit like hen's, hen's teeth, aren't they? They're, they're not particularly common. So it may be that we have to have a workaround in that respect. Um, it does tend to close off a lot of the pitch if you've got a right footer at, uh, on the left. I don't, it just makes... Visually, from my very untrained, basic eye from a football watching perspective, it just makes everything look so much more balanced if you've got you know, left foot is in the left foot position. But it's it's a very high quality um, addition. Should it should it happen? There, there is the chance that this is sort of Burn, uh, Burnley heavily linked with trying to take Gus Hamer, and there might be some. Although Bobby Thomas has already gone from Burnley to Coventry yeah, Thomas, yeah. as well, so I don't know whether there'll be more business between. Those two, Joe, uh, Philip, who has impressed you most performance wise from all these preseason games? And he adds, I feel Jackson would make a good right back, right wing back this season. Uh, take the question, Joe. Um, I, I don't know, it's probably an obvious answer, but it's just Sam Moores, he just continues to impress whatever level he's up against, doesn't he? He just seems to be, even when he was up against sort of two European quality midfielders on Friday, he still looks like he can just match them up and. He's just so important to us and every, everything he does is Im, important. And probably the other one for me, George Hurst, again, he's managed to score in each of his appearances and he could have scored a hat-trick in, against Preston away in, in the game there. But he just seems to be sharp, ready, sort of raring to go this season. And I really hope he gets that early goal just to get rid of that monkey over the off his back. With regards <laughs> monkey to over not- the off his shoulder number, <laughs> boulder holder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with, with regards to not having scored a championship goal, but yeah, no, I say Sam, Sam Morsey just. Oh, like Joe, I need him to score. Level. I don't even care if we lose to Sunderland as long as Hurst scores because that will just quiet down all the comments I've had to field from Blackburn fans and Rotherham fans telling me how rubbish he is and how we should never have signed him. So, yeah, that will debunk that one straight away. Um, Neil, who I believe myself and Joe met on that wonderful night in Barnsley. It wasn't just me and Joe having a wonderful night in Barnsley. There were (laughs) 5,000 of us. It was the the best ever. Uh, New face in before Sunderland. Um, Craig, I don't think we're being silly positive. Um, I agree with Joe's take that you'll get a load of business this week, then it will settle, and then in the last week. So I 
I think there will be, won't there? Yeah, whether whether they'll come in and, and play um, is another matter. But after the um, interview with Ashton the other day in Austria, he seemed to think that there were two to three um, more coming in. Um, God, he loves to deal with that boy, doesn't he? Um, two to three more coming in. Um, so yeah, why do, can... why do I just start laughing as soon as you start talking about him now? <laughs> yeah, with <laughs> a parody of a poor fella, isn't he? Um, he hasn't been as, as someone was pointing out the other day. He hasn't been as um, in the limelight as he this preseason. Really, I haven't seen much. That of needs him. rectifying. Um, if not, yeah, just I'm, to wind and up I'm sure it, Bristol City fans. <laughs> I'm sure it will be. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I see no reason as to why not. There wouldn't be um, anyone coming in. Um, but uh, whether they whether they'd start or not, I think is another matter. It'd just be interesting to know because there's been very very few um, rumors flying around or names being bandied around. Um, about who they could potentially be, so just the intrigue of seeing who it could potentially be when they when they do come. I do hope, for a certain extent, it's not a name that we've heard of, even in dispatches. Really, something completely out of the blue would be nice. Um, I'm going to put this one up. A bit worried about Charlie, who's a great contributor, but the way he's framed this, I'm I'm, I'm concerned, Charlie. I just want to know how sexy the new pitch <laughs> looks now. I'm getting on in years and haven't had much sleep in the last two years. So I don't think I'm very qualified to say whether anything is sexy. A man who definitely is Joe Fairs, though. Um, can you measure the sexiness of a pitch? Um, I don't know, but I, I do love that blue Astro down the side. <laughs> that is like a, is, is it a, sexy? The, the Brazilian strip, the blue. <laughs> <laughs> He's made it sexy. And we're going to say no more. I'm going to start blushing in a minute. Joe Fares has made me blush. Uh, Norman, if we sign a marquee centre-back this week, would you start him on Sunday? <laughs> Depends how marquee is probably, you know. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah if, if you're spending, like when you talk about Austin Trusty is the player who we've been linked with quite a bit, and he's he's not going to, you're not going to get much change out of a couple of million quid for him, if not more than that, then I think like Leif Davis when he signed sort of right on the eve of the season last year, you just get, you just get him into the team. If, if he's I remember a you being adamant about that, Joe, you don't spend a million quid on a fullback in league one and not play him straight away. <laughs> and you, you just got to get him in and get him up to speed. Don't you? That, that That's all you can do. And yeah, we'd have liked to have had whoever in previously in preseason, but ultimately if, if you pull out a massive name, left side of center back, you, you get him in a team, don't you? And it's harsh and Cameron Burgess, but that is what will happen. There was no emphasis on the word sexy. It was there, though. <laughs> it was there. It looked like it was sexy. Capital... You could have just asked how the pitch was looking, Charlie. didn't need to use the word <laughs> Capitals sexy. and bold on mine. Right, this is a tricky one, Craig, so you can take this. Look, obviously, um, we are a um, an outlet that broadcasts about Ipswich Town, so we have to be very professional when we talk about other outlets, and we do have an uh, ever-improving relationship with the club. Um, this is not me reminding Craig to behave as he answers this question, but <laughs> we're all very happy with um, Town TV being launched. And Craig, um, mind your P's and Q's and answer 80's question. What do you think of Town TV? I think it's looking very good and professional. What say you, Craig? I, In terms of, um, if I go purely about... Sorry, the, the sorry ma- Craig. Ashley asked the same question. I'll just put that underneath. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I think if we just talk about um, the match presentation uh, for the... Uh, Innsbruck uh, Matt games. I was I was really impressed by. It. I really liked it, um, and I think we can forgive them 
any um, gremlins and technical issues they may have had because it's you know the first time they've had to do it. And I appreciate that the actual feed itself wasn't anything to do with those, so there's nothing we can do about the the pictures coming in. But I thought what was really really good was the the pitch side presentation. Um, forgive me, I can't think of the the, the host name. Is it James? James? James, yeah, it is James. Um, and Matt Holland obviously is the, is a consummate uh, professional. It'll be interesting to see how often he's used and around um, this season for for matches. Um, and then obviously you 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 can hang your hat on the commentary duo um, who are I think obviously doing it from the UK from the same feed that that uh, that we had. But no, I, I was I was really impressed with it. I was really impressed with the, the post-match stuff, the um, interviews that Matt had done with uh, Sam Morsey uh, a couple of days back, which they, they replayed through the um, in between the matches. Um, I just thought it was a really nice, polished presentation for the match days. I don't think I'll get to see much of the actual match day work itself because you know, by virtue of being at the matches themselves, but I think they're going to have a good hour pre-match show before each match be interesting to see actually if that's um funneled into the into the ground at all um, whenever you go to Dar- derby they've done that for for years they sort of have it i'm trying to think it's the first club that come off the top of my head that, that does it but you think so craig yeah yeah and in the fan zone as well they've got the screen in the fan zone so it's you know perfect opportunity perfect, to have it yeah. on there um but no i was i was really really impressed with it I, i'm not going to go into the politics of the cost and what is or isn't included but just <laughs> in terms of what was on the screen on Friday afternoon? I, I was I was really impressed with it. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, I, I agree with all the content part of it. I thought that was really good. But just to sort of on the negative side for me, sort of today I was trying to watch it back, sort of to prep for the show tonight. And it's like, oh, rewatch the live feed, and you put on the live feed, and it's just blank the blank screen that they had in the build-up to the coverage for the best part of an hour, and then the game starts, and the bit where the coverage dropped out from the feed is in there with that high pitch piercing sound. There isn't the sort of easy YouTube options of just like jump back 10 seconds or jump forward 10 seconds. So you're like a five hour broadcast, like trying to move the scroller and you, it's hard to move it back a minute when you're doing that. And it all of a sudden, oh, I've got about like three minutes here and it, it, it's just a bit fiddly on that side. So hopefully, hopefully that part of it will be worked out. And I, I, I just wonder what they're going to do with YouTube because there hasn't been anything uploaded onto the club's YouTube channel since the George Hurst signing interview. So I, I'd like to think that they still put stuff out there. Like you've got respect the pay and audience, which I'm sure we're all, we all are. And I'm sure everyone listening is, but I do think you still need to put stuff there to attract people that aren't paying at the moment that may want to pay that may like my kids watch youtube and put it on and may stumble across stuff so hopefully stuff I go goes over all highlights on youtube yeah, yeah. and maybe just, maybe just move stuff down the line and yeah if, if we're going to do an interview with kieran mckenna the post match it's going to drop on town tv at six o'clock on a saturday and it might not drop on youtube till six o'clock on the monday but it's just i think you still need to get that content to as many places as possible but i say these are all teething issues so it'd be interesting to see there but it'd just be nice to have some like someone clip up some highlights, edit some highlights from the Innsbruck games because as it is, it's sort of quite an unwatchable package that five hours trying to locate things happening in there. Um, no, you said you didn't want to get into the politics of it, um, Craig, so we'll, we'll let Joe just do that. Just uh, Charlie's edition on there. Uh, do you think it's wrong that those who can't afford to sign up are un- unable to see that? Just um, piggybacking on the last part of your answer, Joe. Yeah, um, I, th- I think that certain parts of the content need to be available for for everyone. Like Wes Burns' A Day in the Life, George Edmondson's Free He's got to get the balance, haven't that, they? That stuff, yeah, because you, you need to make sure the package is worth paying for. But when it's 
Kira McKenna's post-match thoughts on the game. You, you you need that to be available, but I think I think that is available. That stuff there, that's in that's the, normally goes down Twitter really in, promptly in, as well, doesn't the it? They call it the freemium section, I think it was. But I don't know if you need to just be signed up rather than mm. a subscribed for that. I, I I don't know exactly because I've obviously registered. So I, I can see it. Joe, I that. think there's probably rights issues as well that I suspect the EFL probably have rights to hear from every manager after every game that you know a club media thing can't just over unless you're Alex Ferguson just refuses to mm-hmm. talk to the BBC for 15 years or whatever. So yeah, um, hopefully we won't see too much, um, too much sort of disparity between the the free and the paid platforms. And look, it's, it's hard for us in our position to, you know, we, we want it to, to be a success and there's probably going to be some gremlins, isn't there? Like the boys have pointed out and hopefully they'll reach a nice compromise that keeps everybody happy. And I will, jump off this lovely fence that I am currently sat on at the moment and put Colin's question up, um, Craig. Can we move quite quickly, um, guys, with the, so I can get as many of these done as possible? Um, Colin, I think the 60-minute games bring great morale and confidence. What do you think, Craig? Yeah, I think we've used them to to the, exactly their capabilities. You know, everyone's pretty much... I think it was the post-match interview with McKenna when I think he was asked about it now being a, a 60 minute game basically you know how often it's only really our um, defenders and Morsey really that play 90 minutes each match as Joe was saying about five subs earlier you've got your front four plus one other it won't be your back four so it is, it is really now a 60 minute game isn't it for a lot of our players so yeah no, I think it's worked well it's it's nice to just get as many when you've got a squad our size and you're having one 90-minute match, There's you're not going to get everyone requisite amount of um, games. So I think it's worked out very well in pre-season. Yeah, it's I, not the I, first time they've done it. I remember a few years back, we went to Peterborough for a pre-season friendly, and the whole squad went, and there was two 60-minute games back-to-back. So everyone got a game there. And I, I do just think that it's just the way now. You've got big squads, and everyone needs minutes now. It's not about games. It's about minutes. Uh, Joe, do you think Walton may go to Luton? I'll answer on behalf of everyone and say... I hope not. Um, obviously, Luton, so they had uh, Horvath on loan from Forest all the last season for their their promotion. Any thoughts on a link to Christian Walton in the big league? I, I, I don't think he, I don't think he'd go. To be fair, it's he's on a, he's on a very good contract. It was two years remaining on it. If he was to go to Luton, yeah, he might get an immediate bump in money, but probably by not as much as people would think, because I don't think Luton are going to go mad, judging by their business so no. far. And if they were to then get relegated, which is probably the most likely outcome, then he'd be on a lot less than what he's on at Ipswich currently. So I, I think that it's probably financially a better move for him to stay here. And I don't think that Luton would be able to come up with the money that we that it would take for us to accept a bid. Because yeah, you're right. And we're not Joe- going to sell it for two, three million quid, are we? But Joe, as well, if you do fast forward on your year, okay, if Luton, if he goes to Luton and Luton stay up, all bets are off. Fine, good move, well played, son. But then you're one year, one year of a contract left at Ipswich in a hopefully a very nice negotiating position, assuming we haven't finished in the bottom six of the division. I'm going to move it on. Uh, Craig, do you think uh, this is Joe asking? Uh, are Wolfen and Burgess a good enough partnership for the championship? Um, if you'd have asked me in December, I'd have probably said no. But um, <laughs> I, I, I think I think fifty percent of it is. Um, and yeah, we've, we've been questioning poor old Burgess, haven't we, for for months and months and months. But um, you know, as 
the majority of questions that have come in about transfers and and um, vacancies that we should potentially fill. It has been, unfortunately, that left centre-half position that we've been looking to fill. Um, I don't know if Burgess is, if I'm being brutally honest, but we don't know until they start playing. You know, he's, he surprised us last year by coming into his own and, and more than um, holding his position. Um, so we may not have a choice for the first two matches of the season. I've been predicting Caden Jackson's going to be sold for probably like the last 17 transfer windows as well. So mm. um, there will be wrong predictions made on this podcast. Um, mm. Rob, I'll answer this one. Cannon for one million season long loan from Everton. Good stats at this level. Lots of championship interest worth a punt. Yes, very good for Preston at the back end of last season, but was photographed at Deepdale at a friendly Although uh, Preston have just signed, a, I don't know, do you know about this Leighton Stewart guy from Liverpool? Joe, they've spent money on him as well. He's just gone in at Preston and they're kind of pushing the top end to sign Will Keane as well. I wonder whether he'll go back there. Joe? I'd, I'd expect him to go back there just because yeah. he was at, he was at that game and they're one of the sides pushing for him and it, it does just seem like, like you'd expect. I like him though. Like him a lot, and he's got a great name. Um, when a squad numbers are signed, asking for Sev, obviously, says Andy, asking for a friend. Do you know, Joe? No, but last year it annoyed me because <laughs> but they weren't even announced. and it, They were announced on like the eve of the first game of the season, like the Friday, and it's like these must have been sent to the printers for the programmes like a day or so ago. So just get the bloody squad numbers out there. I do, I've so, got so much joy from you being annoyed. I don't know what it says about me as a person. <laughs> Um, Alex, uh, to, to Craig, how high is the possibility of one one of our more high-profile starting players, i.e. Wolfie Burns, Morsi or Chaplin, being sold before the end of the window? Um, I, can, I, can I do a quick answer, Craig? I don't mm. think... I think if you ask that question next summer, far more likely than this summer, but what say you? Yeah, exactly. And as sort of Joe was saying, it's going to... As when Joe was talking about Walton, it's going to take such a large bid for it to be worth our while to then have the rigmarole of trying to find replacements and these guys aren't being you know being fed being fed being paid peanuts um here so from their perspective it's going to have to be it's going to be an, an interestingly high echelon team to come in and a afford them from our perspective and b pay them from their perspective. So I don't I don't really see it. It may be, as you say, Ben, it may be someone like Jackson's as well that does um go out and need to go out just by freeing up a bit of space for these two or three that are coming in. Um go on, I'll I'll rattle through a few more and then we must must stop. Um mopped to be. Uh who is better for this season, Luongo or Taylor? I think Kieran McKenna has been trying to get Jack Taylor for a very long time. And if he'd got him in January, we probably wouldn't have ever seen Luongo, maybe not even at the club. I don't know. So I think it's going to be Jack Jack Taylor. I think that's well, Kieran McKenna. Well, Luongo generally. signed a one-year contract this summer. We paid one and a half million and gave Jack Taylor a three or four-year contract. So <laughs> I think that probably gives you your answer. That is the real quiz. Uh, Craig, how many away game points do you think will be needed for Norwich away? Um, I think it was about 5,000, Craig, do you think? Yeah, I, I, I can't say, Mike. I haven't looked into the... Uh, I've only know how many points I've got, and I haven't worked out how many points would then be acquired between now and the Norwich game to, to see how high it needs to get, to be perfectly honest with you. But I heard people are buying tickets for games and they might even go to just to guarantee oh, I've done that to get uh, playoff tickets before, yeah. Yeah, guarantee means. Um, I snuck in 
in front of the press box in the home end, like fully disguised when we lost 3-0 with a scarf tied around my face and a hat on. Andy Warren came up to me about two minutes after, all right, Ben, how you doing? And started talking to me. Although I was sat right behind Paul Lambert when he did his um, pro wrestling, I'm going to get sent off um, business, but there you go. Uh, I think, Paul, we have answered about Elkin Baggett. Um, and I think, oh, I think we've talked about the length of the games, Nigel, there as well. Right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. What have we got coming up this week? I'm sure we've got stuff I've got to plug. So the first pre-season show is going to be at the back end of the week talking Sunderland. I think Mikey's got a feature, hasn't he, Craig? There's something Yeah, I believe out. he's got a, a combined Sunderland and Ipswich Love 11 that. video he's got coming out. Okay, so that's going to be up on the YouTube channel. Uh, we're going to go live, I believe, straight after. Don't think we're going to watch long. I think we're going to be straight after. So what we want you to do, as, as much as we love the guys at Sky and their beautiful chat they're going to have at the end of the game, you can't interact with them, whereas you can interact with us. So come and join us straight after. Are you going, Craig? No, I'm going to the Bright Sea Free Music Festival on Sunday. Oh, and, uh, okay. Watching, watching on Sky. Lovely stuff. Um, Joe, are you, are you going or are you going to be with us on the show? I'll probably be with you on the show. I'm still not 100% sure, but I've got stag do on the Saturday night, so it's going to be a stretch to get up to Sunderland on the uh, Sunday. Unless the stag do's in Sunderland, you're not getting to Sunderland. Yeah, <laughs> not going to happen. Um, so do come and join us. Do get involved. Um, I know we plug our Telegram, but we really, really love it, and we'd love you to join up for the season. We can get you a two-week free trial. Help me out, guys, with all the Telegram exclusives. If we had Matt Holland... We just had Jacob Henderson from the club. Andy Warren. Andy, Andy Warren, now employee of Richardstown. Yes. Um, um, we had a little bit with George Ellick as well, did we? At one George, uh, Ali. That was Ali. Ali, Ali again. Um, Ali Maxwell. Um, oh, I can't you think. Get, you get if I Sam, see you at Sam uh, Parkin. Sam Parkin. Yeah, Jamie yeah. Mackey. The, loads of loads of stuff on there. Come and. Yeah. Come and join us um, and uh, get involved in the chat. If I see uh, you hassling a steward like I did Jim the other night at Colchester, <laughs> I'll take a photo of you doing it. Um, Bits, thank you so much for the super chat. Oh, he's going to be at Sunderland. Get get in the live chat and let us know um, how you got go. Bits and Andy has set me up here. Where did you get that smashing shirt? You <laughs> Blue Monday. What's that? I can't even remember what the web address is. Blue Monday. ITFC.co.uk. There you go. And you can look just like me. I'm as sexy as a football pitch. Say goodbye, Craig. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Say goodbye, Joe. Goodbye. And the season will begin in one week's time. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116-123. That's 116-123. 
They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping. But in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurant. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.